All right, welcome back to the one-on-one -on -one senior show as we roll on in the final one-on-one uh, -on -one of the school year. Chris Hennessy, Thomas Quigley here, joined by the great Doc Emmerich. Doc, uh, how is retirement going up in Michigan there? It's going well, and I congratulate you on, uh, on your graduation. Uh, so when's the ceremony? The ceremony? And do you have your mortarboard and tassel ready to go? <laughs> yeah, the cap and gowns are in possession, and the ceremony is on Saturday the 20th. 21st. Wow. Good. Good for you. And to know that uh, that uh, notables like uh, Vin Scully marched the same the same, uh, maybe not in the same place, but at least in the uh, same colors that you are going to. That has to be an honor. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Uh, well, thank you for the kind words. We appreciate it. Uh, so obviously we're a week and a half into this uh, new uh, playoff format or not a playoff format, but playoff broadcast. You've been a part of it for so long. What have your thoughts been on um, the, the new, the new television partners and, and the first couple weeks here of the playoffs? I encourage anyone who puts out money for the rights to do telecasts. So I, I watch and I, I appreciate everybody that goes to work and does these games. Uh, because the, this is a sport that is so magnificent that anyone that wants to make a commitment like uh, by both Turner and ESPN have, um, they're all good by me. Uh, selfishly, had I wished that NBC, even though I'm retired and still doing some video essays for them, uh, do I wish that they would have gotten the rights to or gotten a share? Sure, I do. But I'm happy with whoever goes to war for the sport of hockey because it's so wonderful and so are the personalities in it too. I have been a little disappointed that there've been so many lopsided games. Uh, I always marvel and always look forward to the playoffs, having these multiple overtime games uh, and having nail biters where the goalies pulled in the last minute and all of that. But we've had more of the two and three and four goal games than we've had of the one goal nail biters. Uh, that said, there have been enough of them later, uh, lately to satisfy me, but that was one thing that shocked me at the start, the, how many runaways there were. Doc, as uh, it was pretty obvious that uh, most of our generation, at least the uh, people my age and a little bit older, uh, know you because you are the voice, or at least were the voice of the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I wanted to ask... Uh, well, there's a lot of people that are also my age who maybe don't watch too much playoff hockey, but know your voice from the EA NHL games. And I've always been very curious about what that process is like broadcasting a video game. Oh, uh, it, it was a wonderful time in my life. Eddie Olchek and I used to enjoy it a lot. Um, the EA sports people are based in Vancouver, and they would usually work with Ray Ferraro, who was a Vancouver guy. They would do Ray's part in Vancouver. Uh, Eddie and I would come in to Chicago on different days. Eddie's a Chicago guy, and I live in eastern Michigan, and so I would usually commute into Chicago for two, three days in a row. And what you would do is you would walk in to a studio, and you would spend six hours there, and you would have a, uh, some sheets of paper in front of you, but there was not a script. There was not a thing that you would do that you would read. It might be a list of names, but it would be something like this. 
they would have a, in front of you would be a computer screen, no action, a computer screen that would, that would give you something like goalie pulled last minute of the game, can't get out of their own end. And then you would be asked without using anybody's name to just describe the situation. And then after you did that, they would say, okay, that's good. Now we need four more of those for variety's sake. The names of players and the names of teams would be stitched in by whoever, by electronically uh, by those who were playing the game because they would put together the lineups that they wanted to use and the game players would actually dictate the names. There were times when you would be given a phone book, it was called, uh, of all of the names of players. And I would qualify it as a number, like a three, a five, a seven, and a nine. And a three would be, uh, say, let's, let's say a player like Edmonton's Duncan Keith. Uh, and, a, and a three tone would be Duncan Keith. A five would be Duncan Keith. A seven would be Duncan Keith, and a nine would be Duncan Keith. On the last day, we would go through the phone book, and we would do every name in a nine. And the reason it was the last day was because I probably wouldn't speak too well for the next day. So it was always the last day. So that was it. It was not anything like you'd envision or I would envision before I started doing it in that nothing was scripted. Nothing was written out. Uh, you were there to basically create. And everybody that I worked with was really good to me. Uh, but they would give you appropriate breaks because your voice would get pretty well shot sometimes. So back to the, the, the real player, that sounds like a wild process, but back to the real players for a second. Um, that my personal favorite game of yours, the probably the greatest hockey game I ever will watch is the 2010 gold medal game. Obviously that didn't go the way that uh, we were hoping as Americans, but what is your prevailing memory from that day in Vancouver? It was, I'm glad you selected that one um, because it was, I think epitomized the best of the sport to show a majority of American people who were not regular hockey fans. We were always cautioned by our executive producer at NBC, Sam Flood, whenever it was a winter classic, the seventh game of a playoff series or Olympic games to broaden the brush. In other words, to make sure that we didn't talk too much inside stuff about hockey and thus alienate the people who were watching it for maybe the first time or the first time in four years and share in and share stories about players or, or humanize the players and make people want to adopt these guys and care about them because they were playing this sport that is not like football where you run or basketball or baseball where you run, but where you have to learn a skill just to get there, let alone to use a stick to negotiate a puck and to shoot it hundred miles an hour. And so that was, I think, probably the best example of our athletes and of the sport in that. Uh, Ryan Miller, the American goaltender, was magnificent. Um, I remember Eddie saying uh, about Roberto Luongo, the Canadian goalie, shoot on him from anywhere because he was fighting the puck. 
Eddie said that during the game. But Ryan was was magnificent, and the game was also magnificent in that the goalie had to be pulled in the last minute. Miller came off. U.S. had the extra attacker, and Zach Parise scored in the last half minute, and the game went to overtime. And so you can imagine that a lot of texting and a lot of phone calling, probably more texting than anything else went on, hey, you got to watch this game because it's now going to sudden death overtime. And there was a full intermission in between. And uh, then Sidney Crosby scored in overtime. And afterwards, Eddie and I did the game alone. But Pierre Maguire, who had worked with us some during the playoffs, was assigned to uh, a network in Canada for the gold medal game. But he did interviews, which we were able to use with both Miller and Crosby afterwards. And both of them spoke wonderfully uh, about the competition, about competing for their country, about everything that you would want said to people who didn't know what hockey athletes were like. And so the game was special. The uh, I'm trying to remember what the number of millions of people who watched. It was a record dating back to 1980 when the U.S. won at Lake Placid. And I was never more proud to be around hockey and around hockey athletes than I was that day. Doc, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you some questions about the local team since we are a New York station and you mentioned uh the lopsided scores that we've seen in the playoffs there haven't been a lot of those in this series and it's uh it's going back to pittsburgh for game six uh friday night i was wondering uh do you think how do you like the rangers chances to even the series in pittsburgh and force a game seven back at msg i i would say the chances are probably good if Sidney crosby can't play and that that will be determined by the time people are listening to this um I always I always like series that go the limit anyway, because I think that's the ultimate test. I mean, seven games is what it should be and what every series should go to. Uh, perhaps that's the network influence in me because we always like game sevens. I was blessed during my time on television to do 45 game sevens, and they all stick out in your memory because usually, usually the hero in a game seven is someone that you never can forecast would be a hero. Uh, it's usually because, because our game involves a roster of 20 and one backup goaltender. So now one goalie and 18 skaters. And the best players on the roster will only play a third to maybe 30% of the game, which means that they're on the bench 70% of the game. So it, you have to have a deep team, and especially if that seventh game goes to overtime, you just never know who's going to wind up winning it. So I didn't really answer your question. Uh, the answer will be known by the time people are hearing this, whether it went seven or not. But uh, it, has, it has been fascinating. I think Pittsburgh did a wonderful job of controlling the big guns like Panarin and, uh, Panarin and Kreider and holding them to two goals in the first five games. And I think that the absence of Crosby in game five uh, led to the Rangers taking over the game and the foolish penalties that Pittsburgh took in the third period uh, led to their demise just as much as Crosby's absence did because they had a chance to come back and not that game and maybe win it in overtime and end the series. But they, uh, they did themselves in too. So that's my thought uh, going into all of this. 
And I congratulate both of you on your graduation. I wish you well with that. I, uh, I wish I could remember my own. Of course I do, <laughs> but it was a long time ago. Doc, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we know you have to cut you loose. So we thank you very much and uh, enjoy the summer and enjoy the hockey. And we hope to talk soon. Thank you so much. All the best to you in your lives.